0: Buddy. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Chris. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing?
1: Pretty good.
2: Yeah, alive and well.
0: Yeah, we're here talking some Stephen King horror movies. And, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's always a lot of fun when Stephen King's involved. I know some people don't always like his work, but I think even if he's contributing things, it's still pretty great. Um, and yeah, you have Silver Bullet, which is based on a novella of his. I don't think it's mm-hmm. like a full blown novel, but not, Yeah, not. it was
2: a small book. I remember reading it because Stephen King is um, Stephen King is who got me into uh, reading, essentially. Like that's the that that was like my author that I kinda latched on to and, and read everything. Like chronologically I started from Carrie and I just just kind of mowed through his entire collection. So mm-hmm. Silver Bullet was a cool one that I really really liked, and and there's some really neat themes to it and stuff, and, and a lot of original stuff that's like contained in the story that I think is really cool.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, what is Silver Bullet even about? When a series of unexplained murders occur in the normally quiet town of Taker's Mill. The residents decide to hunt down the killer. However, many of these vigilantes end up dead and those who don't are no closer to finding the assailant. But when a young wheelchair-using boy named Marty encounters a werewolf one night, the pieces begin to come together. Along with his sister and Uncle Red, the uh, Marty begins a mission to capture the werewolf once and for all. There's, <laughs> I mean, there's also... He fucking at one point is just the guy should fucking kill himself. So I was gonna say I don't know if he's really trying to capture the werewolf, but okay, sure synopsis, sure.
1: <laughs> also, Marty the sharpshooter. Yeah, like this, this kid shoots at the werewolf twice and hits both times like dead on. So
0: yeah, <laughs> we were talking about things that maybe haven't aged that well with the uh, creep show too, and maybe. A wheelchair-bound kid shooting at someone else is probably not aging that well. But you know what? I'm rolling with it because it's Silver Bullet.
1: Yeah. Well, and Marty's kind of the hero of this movie, too. So I think he deserves it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, spoiler on my pick, but Haim's so great in this movie. I really like Corey Haim in this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it mean, might be the best movie he's done. Or
2: it, yeah. as far as performances, yeah, this and and uh, Lost Boys is always going to be a top one in my mind. But uh, um, the scene with him watching the kids play baseball, yeah, like, he has uh, he does some really great work in that scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I really like you know there should the, the camera angles showing the kids' legs as they're running around and stuff, and like you feel Marty's plight. Like I I I think that they do uh daniel adias does a really great job into making you sympathize with marty yeah mm-hmm. but at the same time marty like, like like taylor said marty marty is a strong character too like he is the hero essentially yeah i mean fuck bucey doesn't even believe them up until the moment that the thing comes crashing through the window you know yeah <laughs> He's like he unloads the gun just as shit's about to pop off, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. The, this movie gets the the realism of the situation pretty mm-hmm. pretty well. It, I think that's kind of what helps uh, solidify like that general atmosphere of the movie and really kind of makes you buy into it a little bit more. Is because you're like, yeah, if some kid was telling me this shit too, I'd be like, dude, you're on drugs. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. Uh, yeah, very, uh, I would say very underrated horror movie, Silver <coughs> Bullet, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because they kill a kid in it, too. Like, he, Yeah. There's you know. there's no chill with Silver Bullet. But, like, I don't know. Everyone talks about, like, American Werewolf in London or The Howling and all this other stuff. But I'm like, where's love for Silver Bullet? Because mm. I'm not saying it's as good or I, I don't think it's as good as American Werewolf in London for me. No. But.
2: No. Still I think it's better saying, than the howling. I was just gonna
0: say, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I was more entertained in our, on the rewatch. Uh I was more entertained by Silver Bullet than I was the Howling. Yeah. And I really liked the Howling. I gave it a you know, I gave it a good score and everything, but there's something about Silver Bullet. Mm-hmm. Um and especially when they get into the Reverends story. Yes and, and they kind of show it from his perspective that dream sequence is awesome
0: mm-hmm. it's
2: so cool and yeah they do stuff in this movie that i just think is that sets it apart uh and gives it its own, own identity and i, I really dug, dug that a lot
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the, the whole character of the reverend and kind of the the story that he goes through where first he's kind of telling himself that, oh, no, I have to do it, or I have to do this, or I'm being forced to do this, but I hate it. And then as time goes on, you can tell he's kind of turning more into the wolf and less himself. Yeah. Uh, and so he kind of, like, he starts to believe those things even more, and those become, like, almost convictions to him, where now he's like, this is what I have to do, kind of, or, like, I have no choice. Um it's really interesting the way that it, the, like kind of the arc that you see his character go through even though he's the bad guy which is really cool yeah
2: well the the chase scene where he's chasing Marty down and on, on, on the silver bullet and stuff mm-hmm. like I, it, it at one point it's like it's like oh well that's a drastic move but then at the same time like you said like he's now buying more into the wolf part of him. Mm-hmm. so and to protect his secret and everything so i guess that does make sense you know what i mean but like yeah at what point does he se is, is is the the god fearing you know protector that he wants to be over his flock or whatever get taken over by the animal instinct and i guess that's it right there
1: mm-hmm. i liked the whole thing too of like Well, he can't just kill himself because he believes that that's a sin and he would go to hell for that, you know? So he just has to live in this hell instead of being this wolf and hurting people and doing all this stuff and trying to justify the kills that he's done of, well, oh, I knew this person was also going to commit suicide. So I had to save her soul before she whatever, you know, like it's, it's a very interesting twist on the werewolf story, even though it doesn't entirely directly relate to being a werewolf. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like he brings a morality, at least in his eyes to it, to the whole thing and you know, I don't the uh, I don't agree with it obviously, but like it, it's interesting that for him there is some moral moral like ambiguity to everything and what he's trying to do there.
1: Mhm. Well, a lot of the times in horror movies too, if a religious character is the one who's becoming the monster, they they almost don't seem to keep their relig- their religion. They, sometimes it just flies out the window and now they're just purely a monster. Whereas in Silver Bullet, he does keep a little bit of his religious convictions. He does keep his belief and his faith. And that actually plays into how he becomes or how he acts as the monster, which I just it's just a little bit of extra depth to his character that I think uh just yeah, it it kind of pulls you in a little bit more than just like, Oh yeah, he's just this generic priest who becomes a werewolf and that's kind of it you know mm-hmm. for sure okay
0: so when was the first time we watched Silver Bullet uh,
2: again for me like Creepshow 2 and stuff be in the 90s um where I was able to like cause my I, I talked about it before but my aunt had a shitload of VHS and I would just kind of pick things at random and watch them and uh kind of going with my Stephen King obsession. I'd already read the book, so it was time to watch the movie. And uh, yeah, uh, I really liked it then, and I don't think I've even really watched it since. Uh, so rewatching it for the podcast was like a really great refresher, and I was like, yeah, I still really like this movie a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, this is definitely underrated. I hadn't even heard of this one before um it was brought up for the podcast so i watched it for the podcast nice
0: um <laughs> i watched it when i was a kid and uh my dad would not let me finish the movie because like there's a pretty gnarly kills in the first like 20 ish minutes of this movie and mm-hmm. arguably it tapers off after that but like yeah we were watching and it's like no this is too much for you and i'm like i can handle it they're like no you can't and uh I think it was like years later. I was like, I secretly rented it and watched it, and I was like, oh, okay, this wasn't nearly like I. I do think well, especially when I was watching in the '90s, yeah, it was a little bit more visceral and real. Nowadays, obviously, these things have aged quite a bit, so it's not nearly as frightening. But uh, yeah, I could see if you're watching this for the first time and like you're you're maybe not as uh, what's the right word like. Uh, Fully uh, desensitized to horror like I am because, like, I watch horror movies now and I'm just like, I don't know what really scares me anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can see the how that the opening of this movie could be pretty frightening, so um, yeah, I think I watched it like probably around like early to mid 90s and finished it. Like, I watched it in full like a few years later, and yeah, I was like, this is this is pretty good, um. But also, too, it was kind of hard to find. Like, I think up until Shout Factory or Scream Factory did a re release, there wasn't really too many physical releases of this movie. Um, but I had now I have the Scream Factory movie, yeah, I put out, and then I also have Paramount sent out this weird random assortment of movies that included uh Silver Bullet in it. So, I was oh, actually, shit. Gonna... I
2: do own it then, god damn it,
0: <laughs> yeah. Here's the funny thing, I'm not realizing because I look at my Blu-ray shelf and I fucking see it and I'm like, I watched it on Tubi why the fuck did I watch it on Tubi? Why
2: did I fucking <laughs> rent it? I'm so mad Yeah oh.
1: Well,
0: you know what Steve, sometimes we can't remember what's on our Blu-ray shelves. So. Yeah, now I'm
1: bummed out <laughs> This is the trouble with owning physical media you, for- you forget that it's there
0: Unless it's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch I'll probably forget it's on my shelf um, But yeah Uh, But yeah, Uh, yeah. I haven't really rewatched it much since because it's been really hard to find. Uh, So I think this might be like my, well, there was the first time which I didn't watch it all the way through. And then there was the time I watched it all the way through. I Maybe have rewatched it once between then and now. And um, yeah, it was nice to revisit it. I think nowadays with the 80s nostalgia, there was definitely some parts of this where I was like, okay, I could see this is definitely kind of playing off of that nostalgia a little bit too so all right uh we got a couple emails here jessica says i know it doesn't typically get the love of other werewolf movies but i think silver bullet might be my personal favorite 80s werewolf film Mm. there you go
2: that's yeah that's I, i i would be i i wouldn't fault anybody for thinking this is their favorite
0: no if you were to say this is the best werewolf movie, I'd be like, eh, uh, I don't yeah. Know.
2: Well, definitive statements are really tough.
0: Yeah. But well, so... when you say it's your personal favorite, I'm like, I can't fault you for that because, no. Mm-hmm. No. yeah, it's a personal thing. And I do like this movie quite a bit, actually. So I, I'm not going to, for me, it's not quite there, but it's pretty close. Like, it's up there. It's a for lot sure. of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, it hasn't really been mentioned too much, but kudos for having a lead in a wheelchair and not playing it up too much for laughs or doing anything with it. That would like be kind of cringe inducing nowadays. Like considering that it's a movie made in the eighties, I thought it handled the fact that he's in a wheelchair quite well.
1: Yeah. There, there were some just one off lines too, that it it seemed like they had a pretty good perspective. Either someone in the writer's room um, deals with a disability similar to that or, and deals with people uh, with that as well. But because there were a couple one-off lines, I didn't write them down, so I don't remember what they were. But I just remember the general feeling of, oh yeah, okay, that's that's pretty understandable. That's I can sympathize a little bit with Marty's character, and even in some cases with Uncle Red. Because Uncle Red, um, I think it was Wendy one of his lines where he says something like, you know, he's not just a kid in a wheelchair or something like that to his mom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like I that uh, that actually made me sympathize with Uncle Red a little bit because he sees him as more than just yeah a kid in a wheelchair. So Mm -hmm. I thought the perspective on that was really well done.
0: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, Kaylin says there's no way that wheelchair was street legal.
1: (laughs)
2: No, for sure
1: not. Also, I think at one point they call the wheelchair "silver bullet." Yeah, that is
2: that is the name for it because it has a sign on the back.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was really fun. I liked that a lot. Also, I was really jealous.
0: But yeah, there's no way that thing's street legal. Like it's going like 50 miles per hour. Like it's speeding, and uh, no one seems to care. They're probably like, "Oh, it's great that he's out and about." That well, think it probably small town though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Small town, and probably a lot of people know Marty or know Marty's uncle or you know what I mean. Like, mm. like people know him. So it's just like, there's Marty in his in his silver bullet. Like he's synonymous with it, right?
0: Yeah hmm Um. All right. Time to get out some words. Best line from this movie. There's some good ones.
1: Yeah. Um. I. I. I think. Uh. Gary Busey. <laughs> Uncle Red. Had a line. I understand that my niece and nephew have been sending little love letters to the local minister, suggesting he gargle with broken glass <laughs> or eat a rat poison omelet.
2: Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Most of Busey's lines. I. I. Because I just. You you try to gauge when Busey started to like lose his mind, and then you realize that Busey's always had a, you know, always spun off this planet. You know, he is just always a complete weirdo.
0: Well, I know yeah. he had like a motorcycle accident or something that caused like yeah a lot of it, but you wonder how much was off kilter before even that, right? So
1: <laughs> he definitely plays a good drunk uncle. That's for sure.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, there's there's a few, few little lines that I liked. Um, the Milt s- strum fuller he says, "Ow, that's it. Ow, that hurts my parts." Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had that one written down too.
0: Or Uncle Red saying, "You ready? I feel like a virgin on prom night." <laughs>
1: At, at the end, too, Marty's sister asks him, Marty, are you all right? And he goes, oh, except for my legs, I don't think I can walk. And then they have, like, a very heartwarming laugh moment right at the end.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting that older Jane is narrating this whole story.
1: Yeah. I didn't, it, it the way that it was narrated almost made it seem like Marty was going to die at the end. Yeah. Like that. yeah.
2: it's It's a weird red herring. Yeah. yeah that that never never comes out They like, it's never really fully explained of why she's the one narrating the story
1: well yeah
0: I think I was thinking that about that I think it could be because in the story at least like when the, we, we started out like they're not that close but like the movie is kind of about them coming together and like you know bonding as brother and sister um which is weird, because obviously in most movies they're like, we got to give you a romantic lead, but they're like, there's no romantic lead in this. Like, you, it's just a brother and a sister like mm-hmm. working yeah. together and bonding. I actually kind of found that refreshing. Like, they could have easily thrown in the Steve from Stranger Things type character, right? Like the yeah. the no. a hole boyfriend that ends up with a heart of gold, or I don't know something like that. But they didn't. They no. they stuck to just this is a brother and a sister story, and I think older Jane narrating it kind of highlights that like she's looking back fondly on this because they bonded together was kind of my take on it.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm, Nothing like a good werewolf attack to bond a brother and sister together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) At first, too, I thought they were going to introduce a love interest for the uncle because they kept talking about how he was getting divorced, and so I thought that was going to be some sort of plot thing. But yeah, third divorce too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: His third divorce. So yeah,
0: I chalked this up to being stoned, but I thought there'd be a scene at the end where he would go up to the minister's wife and be like uh yes uh you know your your husband died or whatever and then there'd be a scene where he's like flirting with her or something but then i'm like mm-hmm. oh wait aren't they supposed to like have a vow of celibacy so i'm like i don't know maybe maybe not i, know.
1: <laughs> I know your husband just died but <laughs> if you're looking for love i've been through three already
2: <laughs> i really like the scene with Sheriff Holler where he's like fuck you and he slams the phone down they're like oh, I don't think you should be telling him fuck you <laughs> he's like oh I waited till they hung up and then I said it
0: <laughs> I forget that Terry You right movie.
2: yeah and and I mean such an unceremonious exit in the film it's so, set. Well, it's so well shot that scene I, I love the lighting of the, his death scene mm. um and I mean that—that's the the glimpse of transformation, right? For uh, Everett Mac- McGill, who is—I don't know—could he, besides Corey Hay, might be my favorite performance in the film.
1: Yes. Oh yes, I, I definitely. have So
2: good, and I mean, I'm a huge Twin Peaks guy, and he's Big Ed. Yes. Twin Peaks, so, I, I I just love Everett McGill. They so should have had. And, his... I mean, people under the stairs. Yeah. So much yeah. good stuff.
1: They should have had a scene where he was putting up some curtains.
2: Right? Oh, that would have been so good. And then, like, something, something, like, is just, like, wrong about them and then he just goes, Wendy?
1: Yeah. Or he changes them out and then he, he slides it across and he goes, oh, they're so quiet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. Best performance. I, yeah. I think steve you mentioned this it's pretty much a toss-up for me at least between corey haim and the the priest
1: yeah
2: yeah uh i might give the edge to corey haim just because i feel like he anchors the film quite a bit but yeah no sleeper on on everett mcgill because he's he's so great
0: even gary busey's like not too obnoxious in this no
2: i i enjoy him quite a bit too like there's really not a bad a bad role in this one I even really like Bill uh, Bill Smitrovich who's kind of the uh, he's kind of the the guy that riles up the town and everything
1: Mm, to
2: to go off on that ill-fated hunt for the werewolf and he has that great scene uh, he has that great moment um, where um, where she's looking for anybody missing an eye and he's got the towel wrapped on in his face oh yeah Oh, it's just—it's a great moment. I love the look he gives her when she undoes the towel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> After he walk, she walks away. He makes some sort of like noise too, like "Why is she bothering me?" Like yeah, he just right? seems so upset by it. Yeah. All, all those little things, like the little character details, are really well done in this movie.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Yeah, I would give the edge. F- I'll give the edge to Corey Haim as well. It's a tough one, though, because I do really like The Priest, and I think he he plays it up well, but I do think there were some moments where his performance kind of veered into camp. Um, mm. Like, not often, but just a couple times where it was like, okay, you could have dialed it back a little bit there, but... <laughs> so, yeah, I would go Corey Haim. Uh, again, this is probably the the role I remember him best for, so... I mean, I know Lost Boys was pretty big for him, too, but... I don't know. I think this is more his movie than Lost Boys. Where Lost Boys, you've got Kiefer Sutherland, you've got Corey Feldman, you've got so many other actors in that. Like, it's a movie where he's part of that ensemble. Whereas with this, this is his movie. Like, no one's, aside from the priest, is really uh, competing him for competing with him much for screen time. So, yeah. What about you, Taylor? Did you have a favorite performance?
1: it's hard for me to decide between marty and the the reverend um because i did really like the reverend also because i have a little bit of twin peaks nostalgia um but i think i think i agree with you kurt that marty is a little more pivotal to the movie and some of the reverend's lines were a little big evil bad guy for me when Mm -hmm. uh when like especially when he's just like hanging back in the shadows and he's got those big eyes and he's like leering towards someone um yeah i'd i'd, I'd probably go with uh Cory hame
0: nice okay we've got uh best kill there are some pretty gnarly kills on this I was there surprised. are some really good ones yeah
2: um the, when they are in the like when they're in the, the forest area when the, the whole group of them are out there they're they cut away really quick, but when what's his name? The guy at the bat rises up and like he's got kind of like I feel like he has half of his head missing. Yeah. He just pops up really quickly. But uh, there's some gr- I-, I love the guy getting uh um pulled into his floorboards and then he get impaled mm. by one of them on the way in. Oh, that Oof, was yeah. good.
0: That was good.
1: um Um, i'm still super impressed by marty's shooting abilities um especially right at the end when he takes one one shot with the silver bullet and gets it dead dead on right in the other eye um good for you marty good for you
0: i do like the the girl that gets like just mauled to death in her room and Mm -hmm. like that scene in itself is fine but then you see the aftermath afterwards, and you're like, oh, holy shit. Like, this room's just covered in blood. It's yeah.
2: Mm,
1: yeah, I kind of wish, I mean, maybe it was because he was a kid, but the kid who got ripped apart, too, we didn't really see his death. We just saw the aftermath, but yeah. judging by the aftermath, we can probably assume that was a pretty decent kill, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, especially the dad, too, where he's just, like, distraught. The, the, the guy that looks like the Monopoly man.
2: Yeah,
0: he <laughs> <laughs> was a bit jarring for this movie. I'm like, you don't seem like the kind of guy that would live out this way, but okay. Um, dumbest decision. Uh,
1: I mean, it was kind of hard for me to choose for this movie. Like, it was maybe dumb for the cop to go investigating on his own in yeah. the reverend's house. Um, Maybe if you're going out into the woods with a big group of people, make sure you have some competent people with you and, like, watch for bear traps instead of just wandering yeah. around through the forest. That
2: was a dumb scene.
1: Um, but other than that, nothing else. I didn't really have anything else on my list for this.
2: Fair. Yeah, yeah Red Pop. In, like, especially after going through all the ordeal to get the silver bullet, to get it mm. made, all that kind of stuff. Even the, the, the guy that made the bullet was, like on board with it and still reds like kind of standoffish of us, but then popping the shell out just as shit's about to pop off is just like, this is a bad move.
0: Yeah. All right. um, I would say like probably prodding the, the Reverend because mm-hmm. like, let's be real. Should've just gone up and been like, had a silver bullet with a gun in your hand just be like, hey, Reverend, I want to ask you a question about Jesus, and just, boom, done it over, get it over with But yeah, honestly they, they're they like, constantly goading at him, like, we know you're the werewolf and all those, it just makes things worse for them, and I'm like, why should have just been more efficient, but obviously, the movie would have been a lot shorter, slash not as entertaining, so <laughs>
1: Can you imagine Uncle Rez just like, you know what, I'm just going to take care of this right now. And he takes the gun and he just, in the middle, broad daylight, just shoots the Reverend in public and everyone's like, um... (laughs) And then the movie just ends. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like, reality is, is that probably be how somebody would handle something like that? But, yeah. (laughs) I do like the shot of uh, Marty putting together that letter with the the newspaper clipping letters and all that I'm like it's just funny because it's like it's like arts and crafts time but also (laughs) he's like being like he's being the full-on like maniacal well he's not really the villain but you know what I mean yeah it's like huh this kid's really on top of shit okay I think it's time to give this a score whatever I'm thinking score wise
2: I'm gonna give it an 8 I dig this movie a lot um it, it, kind of, it kind of excels in many ways. It's aged, obviously aged a lot, but it's still, for being made 1985, it's still thrilling. Um, and I, I'm more than willing to overlook any of its faults to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I don't know if I would go as high as an eight, but also a seven seems too low um it had it was a little slow in some parts for me but for like what it is with all the characters and there's yeah there were some decent deaths and there was a like tick the checkbox of werewolf movie with werewolf transformation scene and everything like that um and it was just an enjoyable fun film like all of the characters it was fun to follow their story and and you actually hoped that they made it out alive at the end um so i'm gonna go with the seven and a half
0: I'll give it an eight as well. Uh, really damn fine werewolf movie. I don't think it ever goes beyond that. Like, it's not for me as good as where American Werewolf in London. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still pretty good. Uh, still would recommend people watch this if you're a fan of werewolf movies or Stephen King stories. It's probably... it's it's Again, it's not the best of either of those. Like, I can think of Stephen King stories and movies I prefer much more than this. And same goes for the werewolf stuff. But it's still pretty competent and it's still a fun time uh there's even some moments in this where i'm like okay that's actually interesting stuff that they're doing in this that they don't do another werewolf movies or Stephen king stories so it's got it's got enough going for it that i would definitely recommend people watch this if they haven't already so Mm -hmm. cool well steve where can people find you on the internet
2: yeah i'm on twitter and instagram at the Dead. i'm also on letterboxd as well i'm trying to keep that uh with my current reviews i think i'm pretty pretty on top of it i'm trying to also do all the back catalog of the tremble episodes that we've done um Mm. so it kind of looks like oh i've just watched those no those are the ones that i did way back when we did the episodes um because i really love letterboxd i think it's one of my favorite social medias um Mm. And uh, my website is Stevestebbing.ca, and you can hear me every week, Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Pacific time on The Shift with Shane Hewitt.
0: Nice. Cool. Well, Taylor, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, when I'm on the internet, I hang out normally on Twitch or Instagram. My username is Techronomicon. I have a blog, cercianic.home.blog, that still needs a little bit of updating, but whenever I do have anything fun going on, I post about it there. And I am also on Letterboxd, because I love cataloging literally everything in my life. So I have cataloged almost all of the uh, scores from... Actually, I probably also need to go through the backlog of Tremble episodes and do an update on that. But uh, I have been keeping up uh, in these last little last little bit. Uh, my username there is circianek.
0: Nice. Yeah, going through the Tremble back catalog on, on there is no easy task. I I did it a while ago, and I think it took me two days to like get everything up and running, but yeah. Um, cool. Uh, well, I'm over at 3 where almost every other day we got new content going up. We've got reviews of Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank... who knows what else i think i'm watching the gray man this week so there's that
2: oh nice yeah i'm looking forward to it
0: it yeah it's a netflix movie that they're doing a theatrical screening for which i'm like that's just bizarre couldn't you just give me a link but that's okay well
2: it's (laughs) because it's getting a theatrical release they did the same for sea beast as well
0: yeah i think they did the same thing too for that one with ryan reynolds where he was with a younger version. Oh, of himself.
2: Adam Project? Yeah. And but, Roma, of course, and Beasts of No Nation. There's just been a few that do it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm on Letterboxd, Fatal Koala, where you can check out my reviews, including my, my very much hated review of Minions, which I gave one out of five stars. And <laughs> uh, the internet was not too happy about that. People were just like, what kind of what kind of a take of, of, is this? And I'm like, did you watch the movie? Did you watch Rise of Gru? Because not a good, <laughs> not a good movie.
1: You're obviously just not indoctrinated to the gru universe yet.
0: Yeah.
2: The gru universe.
0: The funny thing is about oh, these movies, too, is that, like, at a certain point with the Minions franchise, there's no plot to them. Like, <clears throat> they try to convince people that Minions Rise of Gru has a plot. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't. It's just an excuse for... Minions to do a bunch of random shit and yep. piece it all together. So. Oh,
1: but the kids love that random shit.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I sympathize for every movie theater employee.
0: Yeah, I sympathize with the parents that I have to like take their kids to that because I would just be like, I'd be like, no, we'll go watch Monster Squad instead or something. <laughs> <laughs> we're not watching Rise of Groot. Um, cool. Well, until next time, where we're gonna be. Uh, celebrating the works of one of horror's greatest actors, and that's uh, Clint Howard, with uh, Evil Speak and Ice Cream Man.
2: Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Both both are good movies. One I would argue is great. The other one is interesting. (laughs) We'll figure out which one's which next time. Well, until next time, everybody, bye for now.